Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. part of the COVID-19 sessions, uh, although technically by phone would have been almost the only way I could have gotten in touch with her, even though she is a Shelby native. Uh, when I set this up, she was going to England, and by the time I got this done, she was back in Los Angeles. But nevertheless, she's still a part of the COVID-19 sessions. That being said, I must have been very uh, nervous because I start this interview by saying, paradigmic, who knows what I was thinking. Nervous, I guess, because I was speaking to a celebrity. She has a great story. I mean, how many people can take a harp, go on the road with a rock and roll band, uh, go to Europe and play Go to L.A. and play and work. It's a fabulous story. Listen up. It's a good one. Today, Big Sound Small Town is in the pink room at the Big Bass Studio. Um, and my guest today is a harpist. I know, I know you don't believe that, but I swear this is true. Mary Lattimore, she's world-renowned, and welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, so um, we'll touch on the fact that we're here during the great pandemic um that is going on uh otherwise you would be working and there would not be a chance in the world of me being able to get an interview with you oh that's not true that's <laughs> are you are you not the busiest harpist in the world <laughs> i'm pretty busy but i think i'm you know i'm i'm busy in the same way that everybody who has a job is busy you know it's like uh Playing the harp is not only my love, but it's also my job, and so I'm right. on on the road a lot, just doing my work. So, yeah. um, for every yeah. for everyone that is listening, please tell us where you're where you work out of. I am in Los Angeles. So I I moved here about three years ago. From I lived in Philadelphia for a really long time, um, for 13 years, and then I just moved to LA kind of recently. So that's where I am in the quarantine. I'm in. <laughs> Los Angeles, California. Okay, well now, I, I we talked earlier, um, and I know that uh, before the first of the year, you were going to England, so you, you travel worldwide, is that correct? Yes, I do, yep. 
That's all right. Now, this is where this is this is the part that people want to know. How did a girl from Cleveland County, North Carolina, become a harp player to begin with? Well, my mom is a harpist, mm-hmm. and um, I grew up in in Asheville when I was a child, and then we moved to Cleveland County. I guess in nineteen ninety one. When I was 11, because my dad got a job at Cleveland Mills. Sure. And so um, we, but growing up in Asheville, my mom um, was the harpist with the Asheville Symphony. So she just retired last year. Oh, okay. But she was the harpist since like she was, since she was maybe 25 years old. So she was a longtime Asheville Symphony harpist. And um, she has a, she still has a harp ensemble called the Blue Ridge Harp Ensemble. And. Um, so she's a very active harpist and musician, and so it was kind of natural. I'm the oldest child, so it's kind of natural for the first True. daughter to, first child to kind of learn how to play the harp. My mom's a real, real, really enthusiastic, um, harpist and loves to, to show people how beautiful the instrument is, and so she was really excited for me to learn, so I started learning when I was 11. When you were 11? Uh-huh. I, and I guess you did not have to take lessons. I mean, I guess your mother, uh, being the professional she she was, was your teacher. She wasn't actually oh, really? because yeah, she she rightly had the idea that we would fight too much if she was my teacher, and so I do understand she got one that. of her friends to start teaching me, and then I then I started taking lessons in Charlotte um, with Betty Ross of the Charlotte Symphony, and mm-hmm. so we would go every week to take. Um, to have my lesson in Charlotte. Did did you take to this naturally? I mean, was this something that was this love at first sight, or? <laughs> um, I would say not fully. Like I had fun with it when I was doing well, but like you know, when you're a kid, you don't want to practice so much. <laughs> yes, or, yeah, yes. You I know, do. traveling to Charlotte every single week was kind of hard. Um, when you want to be social and hang out and school days long and then you have to drive an hour and a half to her house you know as a kid I probably wasn't the most excited about my lessons or sitting down to practice for hours but now I love it and I'm really really grateful that um my mom really encouraged me and provided me with a harp and was a uh was a mentor in that way so I mean, I guess you were putting in a lot of woodshedding with no performance, or not not any, but few performance chances at that age. Well, I um, I started playing with the the Shelby High Orchestra. Okay. And so um, they gave me like my my junior and senior year there. They gave me um a lot of opportunities to play to learn and play um uh like you know, be the featured soloist with the orchestra. So that was really, um, that was really scary and really fun at the same time. Did you play that? Did you play like in middle school? Did you get to, I wasn't that good in middle school. You know, I started learning in middle school, so I didn't really play in front of people except for like little recitals in Charlotte. Right. Yeah. Through my teacher. Well, at school, uh, with the orchestra, I guess, would that be in during the, Ed Allison era. Um, yeah, Mr. Okay. Allison, he's my yeah. orchestra teacher. Sure, I know, I know Ed. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, he's actually 
taught my children and grandchildren over the years. Uh, so, wow. Um, was that the only instrument that you played? I mean, was that your whole beginning of music was the harp? Uh, I started out on piano when I was yeah. five, so I played piano up until I started playing the harp. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of a good foundation if you want to learn the harp because they're kind of the same, basically, as far as the scales go and all that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Plus, you're, mm-hmm. you plus you learn to read when you do that also, which... Yep, uh, exactly. I don't know. And you learn how to use both hands, too, left hand true. and right this hand. This is true. Yeah, I did not think of that either. Yeah. Uh, okay. For this is for um, more gear people than anything else. But all right, tell me what kind of harp that you do you play, and just explain to everybody the key that it's in, how you tune it. Give give my audience a rundown. Okay, a little harp lesson yes. in the quarantine time. Yes. <laughs> Well, um, I played a Lion and Haley Concert Grand Style 30, and um, that is, it's black, and it's um, about six feet tall. It's the largest of the harps, and yeah, uh, it's in, it's in uh, the key of C, basically, kind of like the white notes on the piano, right, exactly. but then, there's, then, there's, then there are pedals, so there's seven pedals, so the scale is, you know, uh, C D E F G A B like uh and the the strings are color coded so the C's are red okay. and the oh, S cool. are bluish blue or black and so um you can kind of tell where everything is in relation to those color coded notes right um and so then the, there are seven pedals so there's a C pedal D pedal E pedal F pedal you know there's right. a pedal for each tone of the scale Right. And then they have, each pedal has three notches. So you kind of slide, um, you would slide the C pedal down one little notch and it would be, well, the top notch is C flat. Right. And that's the loosest that the strings can be. Right. C flat. And then you slide it into the second notch and that's C natural. Okay. And then you slide it into the bottom notch and that is C sharp. So that's as taut as the C string can be so it's kind of those are kind of the black notes on the piano that's okay that's good for people to know that yeah the sharps and flats are are controlled by the pedals and so you really can have any key that you want like the harp right. can play in any key right is there a standard harp key that most of the stuff that you do is in nope i mean it's not like a saxophone or a a woodwind it's it's so you're open pretty much. Stuff is yeah. written. I mean, you stuff is written when it's written just for harp. Then it can be written in any key. Exactly. So it's like harp music and piano music are basically yeah, I can see very, that. very akin to each other. And um, and so yeah, like just like the piano, you can play it in any key. The harp can be right. played in any key. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh now. Okay, this is this is extended a little farther. Now, are these all individual notes that you play, or do you do you do things around like triads or chords or? Oh yeah, tons of chords. Okay, but you only play with eight fingers. You don't play with your pinkies at all, yeah, and yeah, so you know the eight finger chords are the max well, yeah. number. That's still of a notes. bit. I mean, that's a huge chord no matter what yeah. you're playing. Um, <laughs> you know, so. 
Okay, so we're in high school and we're doing this. Now, what's the next step uh, after high school? Uh, after high school, I applied to go to the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Right. And um, I didn't think I would be able to get in. It's a really good school for the heart, but they accepted me. And so I went up to Rochester and I stayed there. Um, I studied there for three out of the four years. And um, that was cool to go from Shelby to Rochester. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of scary because a lot of my friends, most of my friends are staying in North Carolina. Sure. But just went off up there and studied the harp. And uh, then for my junior year of college, I studied, I studied abroad. So I went to Milan and Italy for the first semester and then Vienna, Austria for the second semester and just kind of got a, a taste of Europe and learning harp in, in those cities and getting to know different kinds of people and stuff. And it was did really they, great. Did the Europeans take a different approach to uh, than the American, than what you'd been studying? Um, not so much technique-wise because I feel like um, I, I was learning like a French technique. Right. Um, and that was kind of a universal kind of technique that my other teacher, the European teachers were also teaching. Oh, okay. So I guess it was just the, um, my teacher in Milan, yeah. um, she was the harpist with the opera company. And so I got to go and sit on the stage um, and also the ballet. And so I got to sit on the stage and like turn the pages for her during right. her yeah, rehearsals. Cool. And that it was just kind of an overall um, cool experience yeah. to see how a working musician in Europe operates and kind of she lives lived a pretty glamorous life I'm sure she still does and so I'm that was sure. kind of fun to be a part of no oh, I'm sure it was yeah that's definitely yeah so, so okay now when I well, I get at this point you've already decided this is what you're going to do with uh -huh. your life but uh, when do we get jobs that start paying and start uh, you know this uh, unlike unlike well, I say a guitarist, you know, yeah, I play, uh -huh. but all of a sudden, hey, I meet somebody and we go, you know, and I'm instead of playing for, you know, $40 and beer, all of a sudden uh -huh. I'm out touring, you know, so I mean, how, how yeah. did this come about for you? Uh, for me, it, uh, I was still playing classical music, only classical music in college, and then I, after I uh, graduated, I moved back to Vienna in Austria, and I worked as a a teacher I got a um a Fulbright scholarship to teach English there for a few years and yeah. so I lived in Vienna for a couple more years and didn't really do much with the harp right but then my visa ran out and so I had to come back to the U.S. and I picked um I had a few friends in Philadelphia and so I picked Philadelphia to be my new home right um and so I moved there and Philly at the time was pretty cheap, you know, and pretty right. affordable, and lots of musicians and artists True. lived there because it was affordable, and it's kind of like a utopia in 2005 for for art and music, and yes. so yeah, that's, great. that's when people started asking me to play on their records or play, you know, in their, in their living rooms or at venues and stuff, and then mm -hmm. I just started to play more with, um, with like rock, rock music right, or... Yeah. Uh, eventually I started playing with, with, uh, some people that 
wanted to go on tour. I played with this guy, Kurt Vile. Yeah, um, I was going. I and, was going. I know who Kurt Vile is, but I was. Yeah, I was coming to that. That is too cool. You, yeah. you realize that, right? Yeah. How did that come friend. about, actually? Say it again. How did that happen, actually? We just met. I think we met at the post office or something. We're just like close friends, and right. You know, he would come to parties at my house, and I, um, I'm friends with his wife and kids, and he was. You know, he called me his lucky charm on his one of his records. He's like, let's, let's get heart, a little harp on the record. And that was really my first time playing on someone's record. And then came time to go on tour. And he's like, let's let's take the harp on tour for a little tour. And that, that led to me just loving touring and I'm sure. traveling and so and playing in front of people. That's and a pretty, so I, pretty good first guess, job. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah. I, and and a different I I guess you didn't see this coming at any point in your life prior to that, right? I no, mean, it's a lot of happy surprises. Yeah, I I would say um, uh, was that hard to to tour with your harp? It um, at that point say it say is, rock and at roll that tour. Point, at that point, yeah, I guess so because. Um, I had to ask for a lot of help. You know, when I was putting the harp in the van with Kurt, I would always have to ask the guys in the band to help me. And I like to be, my mom and I are both pretty independent musicians, and I like to be able to navigate um, lifting it by myself and putting it into my car and figuring out um, how to get it inside of a building by myself. But that tour was kind of hard because there are a lot of stairs and a lot of, like, putting a giant six foot tall like 85 pound thing into a van with like a lot of guitars and amps and stuff so that was kind of tricky well i was going with that one too i guess with particularly with him there is some kind of amplification going with this harp also right mm-hmm. oh yeah so i mean it has a pickup i'm i take it it huh? does yeah it has a great pickup it's um four run- contact mics it's like a state-of-the-art oh yeah harp harp pickup that has four contact mics so it gets all of the um full range of the instrument okay yeah and then you run that through a marshall head no, no. Yeah, i could yeah uh, yeah i mean i, I know that it. you could yeah. yeah yeah the harp feeds back with an amp a yeah. lot so usually it just go direct yeah i mean i do i understand that i i i play upright bass and violin and they're both oh yeah problematic you know know the pain i do i do i mean they're they're problematic as far as miking them a bit and the the amplification a bit i mean i mean it's it's better these days than it's been Mm -hmm. uh and i do understand although an upright bass is not as heavy as a harp it's still a problem it's so awkward to get in places so that's exactly and it's delicate yeah Yeah, it is care or damage it, so yeah it, I mean they're they're I'm sure they're both delicate real delicate instruments so uh-huh. do, do uh tuning problems do you have tuning problems um I I tune it every time I play it and so um occasionally if the weather conditions right, are weird like I if I'm playing an outdoor yeah. festival or something right. the harp will fall out of tune or yeah you know just like little Oh, neighbor, neighbor children are screaming in the back. Oh. Oh. If the weather conditions are weird, then... Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a... It's 
any stringed instrument, I guess, is that way too. Uh huh. It's um. Uh, uh, I guess it if um. Do you? Well, I guess you can tune that. I I was trying to think about p tuning a piano as opposed to tuning a harp. Um, right. I mean, is it a chore to tune? A chore? Is it? Is it really a, a chore? Yeah. A t uh, a no, it's not bad. I can do it in like maybe seven minutes. Oh, I that's have a good. snark. Yeah. Oh, um, oh really? So I use, yeah, I use a snark on it. <laughs> okay. It's that's, not hard. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I for some reason I envisioned um, I don't know, but not a snark. <laughs> <laughs> My mom has like a strobe tuner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that is. thing is so heavy. Oh and, yeah. Um, I it's, have those too. I like my little snark. Yeah, I I didn't realize a a snark would do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's well, that's kind of actually that's better than a pedal steel pedal steel players have to tune thirty minutes. It seems like. Oh yeah. And their and their pedals are stranger than yours. So. <laughs> uh, well, now how long did that tour with Kurt last? Uh, that was maybe like. Two or three weeks. That is too cool. Yeah, that's fun. Then, so what happens after that? Well, I just kept living in Philly and playing on people's records, and then eventually I met um, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. Yeah, I was going there. <laughs> yeah, he asked me if I wanted to play on his upcoming record. We became buddies. He was going to uh, to California to Malibu to record with Beck, and so that was. I, he asked me if I would fly out to California and record with Beck, and I was like, "Wow, of course!" And was, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, I mean, right. yeah, no. yeah. Um, so it was pretty, that was pretty amazing, and uh, of course I was very nervous. But then got over the nervousness, and we really all um, we played really easily together. It was me and Beck and Thurston, and then um, a violinist named Samara Lebelski, who's a really amazing. Right, I, uh, I know. Free improv right. violin. So uh, that is that is really too cool. I, now, when you, you flew out, you did not take your instrument, or did you? Oh no, they rented one for yeah, me. Yeah, that's why. There, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt that was the case. I mean, it's like traveling, flying with an upright base. You just don't do that either. So. Nah. Uh, so okay, then that's. <laughs> so what happens next? So I worked at a record store for eight years, um, which was really fun. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, really, I'm I really love collecting records and getting to know new music and stuff. And I like the the format of vinyl um, because of the artwork and stuff. I just feel like it's a real really special. It is. I was medium. It is. I was lucky to grow up in the age where that was the medium, and it was great. Uh, also, there is a guy from Shelby that you'll find this interesting, who does, who is responsible for pressing, like ninety percent of the vinyl that comes out of Nashville. Oh. Uh, a guy named Brent Bishop. He works for David and Gillian Welch. If David Roll David Rollins and Gillian Welch. Oh, I love them. And they press most of the Nashville stuff. And their studio was located in 
Los Angeles, but during Christmas they moved it to Nashville. Mm. So, just this year, just this past Christmas. Yes, yes, just this oh, past. I see. They already oh. had a recording studio, but they were doing all the vinyl pressing and mixing in L.A. But uh, they they wanted to move it to Nashville, so mm. so he spent he, so he spent Christmas uh, driving back and forth um, from L.A. to Nashville over and over to bring the stuff back. Oh my God! Yeah. Wow, that's, so that's I mean, a long drive. It is, it is, but that is I I do love the old if I mean I love vinyl. But I also mm-hmm. love the packaging. Um, yeah, me too. You know, liner notes and artwork. Uh, yeah. That's a beautiful part of music that doesn't exist much in the digital age. I agree. And just seeing all the people that contributed sure. to it. Oh, you know, yeah. That you don't really know about. Um, and then also the, you know, just the whole complete package is there. Like, it's a very thoughtful it is. process when you're making a record, you know. Like, you want everything to be just like you intended to be and i think with the digital stuff like you don't get the sure of what the artist really wants oh yeah i'm i'm sure i mean you know people no longer listen to music also through anything other than small speakers so mm-hmm. they miss so much you're missing it i know <laughs> and also the fact that the streaming services do not pay the artist at all. It's basically just ripping off the artist. Oh, you know what my um, last royalty check was? 13, uh, 13 cent. So. See, and that's probably for hundreds of plays. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and it's been that way for a couple of years. I mean, I'll get them quarterly, but the days mm-hmm. of, the, of the big royalty checks are gone. <laughs> it's a slap in the face, I think. It, so we have is. to do something about that, especially now because of the the quarantine like oh. none of us can tour and so we're relying on sales of our music to sustain sure. our lives and and i think getting a 13 cent check for yeah. you know yeah. for your work is just it's humiliating it, i think so it, it is and if you don't use that service at this point no one hears your music i mean it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a big hole to dig out of and you're supposed to be grateful for the exposure, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I've heard that I since I was in the sixth grade, um, uh, playing, oh, yeah, all these people will see you, you will get this exposure. Mm-hmm. I've been exposed to death uh, in my whole <laughs> life, so... And I'm sure every yeah. musician has been. Right, I've I talk, know. I've been teaching people here how to live stream so they can, with virtual tip jars and different, oh, great. Yeah. different stuff to help try to help some of these people out um, uh-huh. locally. Um, uh, it's amazing that a large portion of musicians, sometimes you have to protect musicians from themselves because um, they're really good at the music part, but not very good at the business part. So Exactly, yeah. yeah and I was that way myself for a number of years until... I, I, um, you know no longer the case but a lot of people struggle and some of this stuff is pretty simple it's not that hard to figure out but but then a virtual tip jar or or even a live streaming concert this is not even close to the money anybody's used to making so i know i was supposed to be on tour right now so it's kind of hard to stay home and yeah. just not make anything no income coming in right. so. it is it is and and you don't really know 
when it when it will either. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing when you kind of know. Um, exactly. You come off a tour, you know there's a time there till you find something else, but you know it's going to happen. But at this point, you have no idea when anything's coming back. I know. I'm sure it's that way for a lot of people's jobs, though. I have a lot of friends who've yeah. been laid off from their jobs, sure. even in the past week. And it's just a really hard time for all of us, I think. And, it is. Uh, you know, depending, it doesn't really... Your job, I don't know, it doesn't uh, discriminate. You know, this this virus is like it, it's attacking everyone's Everyone. livelihood. And, you know, people are getting it who have normally been healthy. So right. we just all have to look out for each other. And then those um, those that are working are in harm's way. So Yeah, I know. I a, think those people time. should be. The people that are working in the grocery stores and delivering. Yeah. Amazon packages and stuff should really be paid, paid um, more, yeah, I think. I agree, like a hazard pay. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think they, um, they're they the ones that are keeping our society yeah. alive they, they right are. now. So. Probably many of them in the long run at the sake of their own health. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, so how do you get to, how did you get to L.A.? time I was, I was working four jobs I was working as a realtor's assistant and then at the record store and then I was also uh, working at a venue in Philly um, yeah. selling concessions and then what's the fourth job I was, I was working as a nan a babysitter okay and um so I was working those four jobs and then I got nominated for this thing and Philly they have this Pew, it's the Pew Charitable Trust, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. the Pew, the Pew family has given, um, a fellowship to 12 artists in Philadelphia every year. So they have this chunk, this pot of money and you have to go through a process to, um, you have to get nominated to apply and then you apply and then, um, people assess, you know, like-minded musicians assess your work in a secret right. panel and then. If you get it, then you get a, a really nice chunk of money, right. um, and then you uh, then you have that money to record with. Or there's no strings attached, except right. you have to stay in Philly for two more years after you receive it. And so, when I I won it, actually, and it was maybe the happiest day of my life when, sure. I found, when I found out that oh. I had won this check because I got to quit um, quit quit, quit, quit yeah. a couple of the jobs. Yeah, exactly. And I had freedom to make more music and to travel around and record myself and to just really like get more into the music and and treat it as a as a career rather than just as a side thing that I was doing um and so that was a very I was very very honored to receive that fellowship and then so I, I made a promise to myself that I would explore moving out of Philly after um after, after the two years. that period was over right. so that's what I did and I found um I, I moved to Los Angeles because of the work here I wanted to get more into like film world and tv world maybe score some stuff and to just quite honestly I'm not really good with winter I really hate winter <laughs> and I've lived in uh, some very cold places yes like you have extremely yes, you cold have. Austria was cold, mm-hmm. Rochester was cold. Yeah, Philly is cold, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to live somewhere where there was, like, perpetual summer and springtime and um, 
because my mood is really uh, alter when I <laughs> when I am in like the depths of winter, and sure. it really stops. You know, like when you play a giant thing that you have to haul around on a cart. You know, it, you can't really take it, it in the snow, and you can't really wheel it down an icy sidewalk. So right. it kind of paralyzes. The weather is kind of paralyzing, at least to me, as far as playing the harp, playing gigs goes. I, when I saw that it snowed, I was like, okay, I guess I have to try to cancel this thing I was supposed to do. So mm-hmm. now I don't really have any excuse well, like that <laughs> or any um any hindrance like that as far as weather goes. So so when you first got to L.A., what was the first job with the heart that you got? What what I mean, you roll in there, nothing's going on, you don't know. I mean, did you have contacts there before you went? Uh, I had a few. I had some friends who had moved out. You know, I think mm-hmm. that there was a little bit of an exodus from the East Coast to the West right. Coast in a way, um, and maybe still is, just because, like, New York is very, very expensive. Yes, and, it is. Yeah, you know, cities, cities on the East Coast are getting more expensive, and L.A. is just such a huge sprawl, so there's, you can still find right. semi-affordable places to live and um you know that there's a real creative um creative zone here where a lot of people are working in the arts true this is true yeah so i played i have a good friend here who's a a composer for tv and so i played on a couple of and and films too so i played on a couple of her scores and she introduced me to other composers so i played on people's scores and also um yeah, just the musical community here is very, very vibrant. So there's nice venues. Hopefully they'll still exist after the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people well, are I think venues. a lot of musicians ne- do not realize uh, how important networking is to your career. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's, it's that way at every level. Uh, yeah. The more people you know, the more people you're nice to. Um, yeah. Uh, the more work you get. I mean, it's a... Mm-hmm. Your reputation goes a long way, it for does. sure. It does, and it's, it's, it's good to network as much as you can. Um, mm-hmm. So I see that it seems to be working for you. Now, tell yes. me tell me how you wound up in England this past, I guess, late fall. Uh, I, well, when did I go? I think it was actually January. Yeah, it may have been, um, yeah. But I... I went there because uh, it was time for me to make a new record, and I was a—I've always been a really big fan of this British band called Slow Dive. They're mm-hmm. kind of in the shoegaze world, like right. 90, um, '90s, 2000s. They—they um, they were a very special band to me, and I was playing a music festival in Chicago last year, and they were—they had a reunion they've reunited and they made a new record, which is beautiful. And, um, they were playing the same festival. And so a friend introduced me to the singer, Neil songwriter and singer, Neil, Neil Halstead. And he, um, we hit it off and I was like, maybe I should get, maybe I should ask Neil if he would want to produce my next record. It was just like, because I, a lot of times I produce my own records and make it on my computer. Yeah. So that's like my process is just to record, record by myself and to kind of get in my little zone by myself but it's like I want to have a new kind of sonic palette to explore and he's he was down like he had never recorded a harp and 
he's not really a producer, so he um, he mainly just makes his own stuff too. And right. so it's like let's just try it out. So I flew to his little town in in Cornwall in England, mm-hmm. and uh, and we worked together in his studio, and we made a record. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is it is it out yet? I mean, are you still? Well, it's coming out in September. It's okay. supposed to come out in September, but I might push it back because of all this stuff sure. that's going on. I think, I think in the fall, if things are reopened, then it's just going to be a crazy um, time when everyone's going to be touring and everyone is going to be competing for right. the attention. And I want it to be a really special and thought thought out kind of release um, because we worked so hard on it. So. I, I'm gonna wait till things kind of die down and people are more people have a little bit more money to spend on concerts you know I'm a little bit worried that because everyone will be out of a job and the economy won't be it'll take still a while kind of I think. Yeah, yeah I think it will and I, I do think there'll be a ton of releases I think you're right because I know a lot of musicians who are cranking out stuff right now while they're you know they're doing yeah. a lot of recording, a lot of writing, so I'm sure there's going to be a huge wave of new material from everyone. Yeah. Uh, so. I know. My hope, my hope is also. I mean, besides the business competition part of it, which is like kind of scary to think about, and but my hope is that maybe after this, after we all come out of the quarantine. Um, then maybe the U.S. will be a little bit more, you know, like a rena- maybe it'll be an artistic renaissance. I've seen a lot of people online who are like, you know, painting or drawing, and they're not really like True. in quotes like a painter. You know, that they right. don't do oh, yeah. paintings. I feel like a lot of people are finding a way to for self-expression inside of their homes that maybe they hadn't had time to explore uh, in the in the past for them. You know, maybe it's like maybe we'll all come out of this being a little bit. Giving a little bit more uh, of our effort into our creative side. You know know, what I mean? I do. And one of the things I think, too, is during times like this, I think people really appreciate the arts more than they do Uh when they're working because they have this downtime. And what are they turning to? The arts. I mean, whether whether it's um, music. I mean, any of the arts is is part of what they're doing while they're shut in these days. Isn't that cool? I feel like that's, it's so beautiful. And it's like a tale as old as time. Like it's really um, human beings just have a need for to express themselves through through art. And that's like what makes us special as humans. I feel like the infrastructure, like the arts infrastructure needs to to be stronger, you know, and like the government needs to, to really support the arts in a way because that's what makes our society really cool. It, so, it really so is, have, and you yeah. know that there's never enough money, never enough funding for the arts. Um, mm-hmm. First thing that gets cut is uh, I know. arts funding, but then you get in a time like this, and people are wishing they had more art. Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen a lot of like like classes and lessons being sure. given over the internet just out of people's generosity. Like, oh right. yeah, here I'm going to teach you how to make this, and right. it's really cool. I mean, I think it is, um, even though it comes at the expense of the artist right now, everyone's paying a price, not just the artist. Um, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and actually the artist, you know, this may be, we may see a lot of great art creation come out of this period. 
we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and maybe not. Maybe it's such. Maybe it'll be such a bleak thing that we don't. But yeah, um, I know. I think I don't know about you, but I it definitely comes in waves. You know, oh, yeah. the the creativity during this period. But then also just the feeling of like, what's the point? Kind of, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, this is hopeless. Like, you know, what am I doing? What's the point? Or, well, I or thought, like just sadness. It's scary. It is. I thought that during this time, I thought, God, there's such a wealth of material for me to write about. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I can't for some reason. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to live more of it to write it right now. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. And things come to me in waves, too. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I go through yeah. periods where I can't sleep sometimes for days with uh-huh. creative stuff going on, and then it disappears. So. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, and then it'll just strike you, you know? I, I think um, you just have to be kind to yourself and not try to force force it out and and just know that i've heard a lot of people say that actually because you know maybe people have felt pressure like oh i have to write something during this time Mm. like i'm home i I should be writing something but really just be nice to yourself and just not you know understand that like whatever you choose to do during this quarantine time is the right right thing as far as like you know creativity goes and and uh you know, if you need to watch movies all day, sure. just do it. I mean, I think that's right. I think that's the right attitude. It's kind of uh-huh. like I wrote for years and years, and then when I made it a job of writing every day, writing for other people, writing for every day, um, uh, for me, it it just was not as good as when I uh-huh. let it come on its natural you know, yeah. stuff. Um, I don't know. Are I think, you a, um, a journalist or do you yeah. write fiction or? Uh, I write everything. I'm a musician, um, mm-hmm. but I write, I, I podcast. I'm unfortunately an artsy type of guy. I uh, like it. It's, um, I like it. <laughs> I've done it all my life. I mean, I don't really know awesome. much more than this. It's uh, I've written since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly successfully over the years, so it, it mm-hmm. it's it's been it's been good for me. I, um, oh, so music writing, music writing. Oh well, no, no, I do poetry, I do books, whatever. You know, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, all around. I'm a, I'm a word person. Uh, I'm a I'm a musician, but I'm about words um, probably more than I am about the music. Although I played music all my life, so. It's just a medium for my words, I think, a lot of times, mm-hmm. which is which is okay, okay I, I guess. Yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, so, uh, do, uh, lyrically, do you have to do stuff lyrically? Do you sing? I don't know. I, I love words. I, I love to write, too, but I'm too shy to let people read what yeah. I write, and I think also I... I love to read and just I love language um, yeah, and like putting putting beautiful words together. But I'm not a lyricist, and I think um, I I just respect other people's lyrics so much that I don't I don't really. My voice is also really bad. I'm a terrible singer, so. Do you hear melodies? Should, do do melodies? I, do, yeah. Do, yeah. I mean, I'm envious. I know, and I know 
songwriters who are melody driven and then try to match the words to their melodies first my my words come first and then i have to match them up but oh, interesting um but i i think it would be wonderful to hear the melody i mean i do occasionally but for the most part it's the words first and, mm -hmm. and I, but I, but i do know really good writers who do it the other way too so um, you'll have to send me a link to some of your music i'd sure. love to hear it i play in a band now um oh, cool. so it's um yeah, I will. I will. And also, I will. Well, I'll, I need you to send me um, links to your stuff too, so I can. Oh yeah. We'll 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 talk about that in just a minute. Uh, so, well, what else do I need to know about you? Hmm. I don't know. I think I think you learned every about everything. Well, you know, one of the good me. thing. One of the things I really like about these is we have not met. But I feel like I know a lot about you, you know. And and it's, this is one of the rewarding parts of this is, uh, you can, if you do not do something like this, two things happens. Uh, no one will actually know your story years after you're gone. Uh -huh. They may know your music, but they will not know about you. Right. And in my case, I, I've known musicians for years, and then I sit down. And do a podcast interview with them, and I, I, I know them better. I know stuff that I did not know about them, and I've known them for years. So that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I like it. I, um, yeah, so, it's, it's so, really cool to. It's cool that anyone cares really about uh, your story. You know, it's nice to be asked. Actually, people <laughs> people care more than you think. It, mm, I, cool. I I I did not believe that, but um. The viewers and the listeners, if the listeners have uh, convinced me that <laughs> people are interested in hearing uh, the stories of uh, musicians, and it's not just uh, I mean, a lot of mine have local ties, but uh -huh. but it it seemingly doesn't matter. People like the the they like to see where the music come from. I think it's a human interest story. So. I think so too. Yeah, my parents. Um, locally, my parents live in Polkville, yeah. in Cleveland County. So sure. that's where our family lives right now, or that's where my family's farm is. The Lattimore Farm is in Polkville, and uh, yeah, it's it's really nice to go back in the during the holidays or whenever oh, yeah. I'm on tour and playing Asheville or something. I'll spend time on the farm, and right. they live on a, a cattle farm. Oh, that's there. good. Yeah, that's good. Well, Mary, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Well, thank you. I, I had so much fun. I hate it had to be under these type of circumstances, but uh, again, uh, I thank you for it, and I, I hope for better times for us both and all. Thank you. Me too, and I hope everyone is staying inside. Yes, please do. <laughs> please stay inside. Yep. Okay. Right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling. All right. You're welcome.